0: we could make this episode like a monologue where i just i just tell you about my day and you just get you know respond to your emails (laughs) yeah i'm recording
1: i'm recording as well hello welcome back it's been a while
0: yeah it's been yeah it's been a while um and yet, for our oh, exactly. listeners,
1: no time will have passed at all.
0: Yeah, except for the fact that they're slowly catching up to us in real time, which is slightly frightening. <laughs> like, in the fact that the, the the buffer that we had, we had, like, a margin between the number of completed episodes and the number that's that's of true. listened that's episodes, and I think that's, given, after this weekend, that's gone. Yeah. So they're hot on our tails in terms of being able to figure out what time we're actually I don't know I don't know about you but I work best
1: when I have fire under my butt so yeah I think what we should do is not record even this episode and uh, then wait for people to start sending in angry emails wait for the angry yeah and then that's that's how you do it that's how I did all my assignments back in uh, university
0: this is so do you still this is one thing do you still perform like that at a job
1: um, depends on the job, sometimes yeah, sometimes not.
0: Like so like yeah. right now, say for example, you had like weekly meetings for uh, your job and you every Wednesday, is Tuesday evening a uh, a, uh, a long day for you? Um, I'd say no. So
1: uh, with the job, I feel like it's less the case that you can... So with university, I felt like I genuinely... Did work more efficiently that way? Like um especially for courses I didn't want to actually do, right? I just left it for the last moment and based on the like 80 20 principle I just put in 20% of the work, got eighty percent of the effort, knowing full well that you know like I was just getting it done for the sake of getting it done, and then just you know have away with it. With some jobs when I don't I haven't enjoyed the job, I've applied the same thing, right? Like I just want to meet the barest minimum of standards, and that's fine. Right. For jobs where I actually am interested in the work, uh, I find it's much more of a dispersed effort throughout the week. Right. Mm. Uh, what about you?
0: Yeah, I I think you summarized it quite well. Um, I did even in the though I did find um, my first long term job experience kind of ended. A couple months ago and I did find that even my behaviors near the tail end of that when I started getting say demotivated on the project or just especially the fact that I was having a lot of like um, uh, remote like long-distance interaction mm-hmm. virtual interaction with people I was kind of treating it like the day before was a churn day a you know a full mm-hmm. 24-hour work day or something which wasn't so good but recently I found what was quite interesting and you're right about the fact that if, if something's mm-hmm. interesting, it drives your your motivation to just to do it consistently and not kind of do um, poor um, work behaviors. But even then, there's going to be points in any project where there's lulls. Say, for example, you hit obstacles or roadblocks that you can't overcome, and the initial kind of glean of the project glows away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did find what was quite interesting... Is that hold on, I gotta turn my heater down. My room is like a sauna right now.
1: Hold on. You can only get this uh here, folks. I so
0: you and you get, the funny part is it goes really well with my background, which yeah we don't do video recording yet, but this fireplace I just had to turn it down because it's just it's roasting. Much. You. Yeah. Um so what I found was interesting was I I, I make myself... I, I write kind of chunks into my next day um, of what I'm going to do when and what times. And I found this made me very accountable for my past self. And it was a quite effective way to just continue mm-hmm. working. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think... I think I don't know what the solution is to overcome these lulls. Because I feel like if someone tells me I have something to do in three days, I'm going to do it. But if I have to do it for my own volition, um, I struggle to myself accountable mm-hmm. to turn something in for three days i could i could spread that out over four weeks and get it done but i'm certainly not as efficient yeah. quote unquote yeah mm-hmm. um and i think that's just organizational work practice
1: yeah i it's something that you pick up um as you go along very much so i agree with that so um on on that note uh like on the note of like finding work interesting and stuff like that um do you find research science works or like the mathematical things more interesting, or do you find the research engineering sort of like the uh, implementation of ideas and like actually getting things to uh, work well side of things better? Because I'm really mm. split between the two. Like, I really can't decide for the life of me which one I enjoy more.
0: Yeah, that's a tough, um, that's tough. Like. I find that every other day I'm flitting between mm-hmm. both, and then trying to justify to myself which track I should kind of hold more time on consistently, just to kind of do better on mm-hmm. that track. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's hard to boot do both tracks um, in parallel. Yeah, at least well. You, you can you can try to do them both, but maybe you won't do very well. I mean, you could do like you could do like you know two years on one track and two years on another track. Mm-hmm but doing back, going back and forth in both tracks, I think will really messes up either, prod, either yeah. mindset. Mm-hmm. It has a
1: lot of overhead. It's like um, I hadn't coded properly
0: for a
1: few months and uh, then sort of like uh, over the last couple of months, I, I had several uh, reasons to, to code. And I remember mm-hmm. how much time it took me to set up a basic project at the start of this process. And like comparing it yeah. to setting a similar project now, I'm just ten times more efficient here. Right. Uh, likewise with mathematics. Right. If you just spend all your time coding, and then you go back to a simple linear uh, equation, you don't even remember the closed form solution to it. Right. It just takes you so like a lot, a lot of time, a lot of time to ramp up on these things. Although I do feel like ramping up, uh, shit, ramping up on maths takes longer than ramping up on coding, uh, and therefore from that perspective, it seems like Keeping up with your maths more often seems like a more worthwhile pursuit.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think the major difference, just kind of thinking off the top Mm -hmm. of my head, I think the major difference between both of those isn't actually the subject itself, but the accessibility to base kind of resources. Mm -hmm. So like say I'm starting a coding project and I've completely forgotten how to like write main.cpp. Like, I'm like, what do I do, how do I write a main function? I can Google write a main function, I can get that kind of structure and just start and from there and kind of bootstrap my way with tutorials and just simple Google queries. It's not so easy with mathematics. Like I feel like that infrastructure hasn't been set up. And it, I, I feel like it could be set up. Like You've got Wolfram Alpha, you've got really interesting graphical tools for being able to plot functions and mm-hmm. be able to explore them, but it isn't just as like instantaneously accessible, say like, oh, how do I find, like, the roots of uh, a quadratic or mm-hmm. something, and then kind of get a really nice visual w- or obvious way to sort of plug this into the problem that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really seem to be so modular and pluggable. Yeah. But maybe there's some way to do that with mathematics so you can sort of get started faster on projects you've kind of gotten gone dry on. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. That would be quite nice. Um, I feel
1: like with mathematics, there's a lot uh, more arcane knowledge to sort of uh, just look out of yeah. here, uh, like uh, the knowledge about the properties of a Fourier transform, for example, right? Um, yeah. Unless you've encountered it somewhere, you can't really intuit your way to it, right? Whereas things like design patterns in, in software engineering, uh, you may be doing unconsciously without actually knowing the labels by which they, they go, right? So it feels like with right. mathematics, it's it's a bit more difficult to even determine what is the base set of knowledge that people should possess, right? You ask somebody in signal processing and they're like, if you don't know Fourier transform, uh, transforms, you can't do anything, right? You ask somebody in abstract mathematics and they're like, you know, you need to know your algebra, your groups and your fields. Uh, and I personally have no clue about these things, right? Like I... I've I've tried to sort of understand them, but I haven't really been able to gleam their usefulness from a computer science perspective, apart from the cryptography, you know, like very basic uses for these things. Uh, but it seems like in mathematics, yeah. it's more difficult to sort of agree on a set of concepts that uh, people should be able to refer to.
0: Yeah, like I definitely have come to rely, realize that mathematics it's it's an art as well but on top of it it's how 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 broad and deep and well understood your toolbox is mm-hmm. like you have a range of toolboxes and you apply these various problems and how good you are utilizing your toolbox um kind of i think summarizes what you're talking about but it made me think about the fact that what's interesting is say you're taking a mathematics problem the number of different ways you can solve the problem, uh, like as I'm saying this, I'm kind of doubtful, but I'm going to say it anyways. Like the number of different ways you can solve the problem is fewer than if you tackle a software engineering problem. You know, there's you can sort of fall into poor coding patterns, mm-hmm. mishaps, and just plug and chug mm-hmm. to get a solution out of software engineering, mm-hmm. whereas mathematics like there's only one way to do a Fourier transform. Mm-hmm. There may be multiple ways you can derive it, but a Fourier transform is a Fourier mm-hmm. transform, um, right? Maybe there's...
1: I am I, in agreement with you, but I'll try to rephrase what you said, just to sort of like try to clarify whether this is what you mean. But like, um, yeah. I would say that there's many more ways to arrive at the correct output or result uh, through a wrong procedure. In program, uh, in programming, right? In mathematics, it's quite rare that you use a theorem in a wrong way and arrive at the right result, right? Whereas in uh, programming, right. I can just write oh. awful, awful code, like you know, just copy-pasting over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Oh, which brings you back yeah. to code studies. We should talk about code like software engineering oh coding Uh, horror stories that's
0: a that's oh that's like a spooky episode oh yeah yeah, yeah.
1: next halloween uh okay
0: um and you know that will still produce
1: the right output it's just that with um with coding you need to think about maintainability as well whereas in mathematics if you have a proof it's a done setting and uh, it doesn't really feel like you're going to reuse the proof in the same way that you would be reusing the
0: code right right i just had this sort of image of if like there's still gonna be um you know poorly done proofs Mm -hmm. but i'm imagining like awfully done proofs like for example you add and subtract two Mm -hmm. like at one point in the i think you know it's like imagine you have these programs with like a bunch of garbage Uh like why this function this method's unused Mm -hmm. why is it here Mm -hmm. imagine a proof with just like or a math even like just like an algebraic equation with like excessive stuff in it you just Mm -hmm. thrown in there for fun Mm -hmm. or lack of understanding i
1: mean i think i have seen machine learning papers that basically have that where like you have sections that are completely unrelated to everything but um i also feel like um the automated uh, proof uh, producers. I forget what what the word is. The the programs that basically produce proofs can sort of run into this issue. Like you know, uh, if I'm trying to derive something, I may oh, I see what you're differentiate and then integrate back or something like that. And if the yeah. constants doesn't matter, I may you know have these two extra steps that are completely uh, useless. But uh, yeah, I really like um, this <laughs> idea of uh, just having. Oh. <sighs> So so sorry, like uh, just completely changing track, but um, we have seen uh, conferences on um, uh, sort of having like bad ideas or, you know, like uh, outrageous claims or something like that, but we haven't seen these joke conferences on bad proofs, you know, just like taking a proof and being like, this is so, so bad, right? Like it's, it's technically correct, but it's incredibly ugly very unsatisfying. like it's just very limited in this particular case
0: that would be interesting so like the and the constraint is that it's still correct
1: yeah so i think it has to be correct right because otherwise you can just um write anything right like you can take bad poetry and be like look at this proof
0: right yeah 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 I, but i wonder if you could li- yeah so you're essentially like creative applications for poor proofs like like Proving two lines are two lines are parallel by, like.
1: Yeah, so that's exactly it, right? Like. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like, just before, having this. I was
0: this... gonna say like walking along a railroad or something, but that's like pretty.
1: Yeah, just like. I don't know. I don't know. Um, constructing just unnecessary geometry, right? Like just proving two lines mm-hmm. are parallel <laughs> by proving that you know, like the parallelograms constructed. Uh, through the intersection of like you know just some trying or something like that satisfy uh, mm-hmm. some property that is only it's uh, just completely completely arbitrary stuff that you know is is needed I think I think there's space for stuff like this because I do feel like um, there's few examples out there but to back to the original point much much less so than bad code right
0: yeah 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 exactly um,
1: you mentioned
0: yeah. I, I sorry. Go ahead. No, go go for. know you all yours. The floors yours. You mentioned
1: um, math is an art, and uh, there's uh, this old sort of debate of like, how can you teach math as an art subject, right? Like, how can you sort of give the kids the tools to um, like give some tools and just let them construct their own proofs rather than mm. um, telling them here's a problem, find a solution for it, maybe sort of give them the opportunity to, you know, have an hour and instead of a paintbrush and a canvas, just, you know, have a bunch of proofs and theorems and just combine them in interesting ways, sort like try to create something mathematically beautiful rather than necessarily useful. Um, hmm. Do you, th- hmm. Do you think that? This... Like, okay, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Just like just to talk about that for a moment, I guess one of the things I want to start with is what what do we think about when we think about art? Like the very obvious direct thing is, oh, I'm just gonna do you know the very obvious mapping from math to art. Mm-hmm. If you first think about it, is geometry because mm-hmm. it pairs nicely with visuals, yeah. and we're like very visually biased. So you think, okay, I could do a bunch of geometry manipulation and math can be beautiful because I produce like art mm-hmm. and visual elements. But we have written art, we have spoken art. And like, it's easy sometimes for me to say that art is heavily tied to human perception. And it is like our main senses mm-hmm. and perceptions kind of are what defines our art. Mm-hmm. So if we can channel math in those perceptions, it's, it's quite nice to, it feels natural for people. But I also sometimes think, you know, if I if I see a nice, a really nice, well-written piece of software, um, so I'm not, I, I actually get kind of this, the same feeling I do with a piece of art oh, yeah. where I think yeah. that's like a, a beautiful so. yeah. piece of software. Mm-hmm. But that isn't tied to a human perception, um, um, looking at a piece of well, software. Like that's tied to my understanding of software. I think it's human, human perception, right? Like, um,
1: uh, you th- the concepts of like beauty is not immediately related to your perception, right? Like when you when you look at a painting of a beautiful horse, for example, right? It's not it's not <coughs> like your eyeballs that uh, is the processing of the beauty of the horse it does not happen at your eyeball level, right? It still happens in your brain, right? The same way, sort of. Um, I, just,
0: I need to recover here because I just got this image that you just you, you like avidly seek out horse painters because you just like find horse paintings so beautiful to, and to each to... So each their own is all I'm <laughs> gonna say yeah okay we just from now on I know that you've got a secret collection of horse yeah, paintings so you
1: know what Christmas uh, gift to get me which is a lot <laughs> you of know, worry off your head um so in the same way like uh, when you're looking at the symbols of the program, it's like, you know perceptually you're perceiving sort of the keywords or like, you know, even code chunks and stuff like that, but the beauty of it, like the aesthetic element of it, still happens in your brain. I don't know what like whether exactly um. in the same segment of your brain, but like it still happens at the higher cognitive basically what basic am saying is that aesthetics is a higher cognitive function. it doesn't happen at, at right. the level of, of the set processing of senses.
0: Right, I see what you're saying. Um, so does it? So is hmm. I'm just trying to think about that. Um, so going back to our so if it's a higher level process, um, going back to it also okay i want to go back to the math thing yeah. but also do you feel like you, as you've grown older you've had more of an appreciation for art um or the or whatever that whatever that means
1: yeah in some forms yeah but, like uh, for, uh, for example with music i've uh, really 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 grown to like music and really started to appreciate it more um i think the more time you spend in a particular topic the more you can appreciate the beauty of it right like uh, it, it goes back to the Conversation we had a couple of bas- episodes back of like if you practice an instrument, you're gonna appreciate music more, but right? you don't actually understand the effort that was put into um, creating a particular musical piece, which makes you appreciate the the, the more. And obviously, the older you are, the more time you've had to, like, you've had opportunities to spend in particular things. So, in that sense, I would say yes. Um,
0: so then, doesn't appre so then in that so based on your answer then does an appreciation for art require sort of a knowledge for the effort that went into producing that piece
1: i think it helps um it's it's an aspect of thing uh, of 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 the appreciation right uh so there's probably different what sorry go ahead
0: i was just gonna say what I'm trying to segue into is kind of segue into the art maths mm-hmm. discussion mm-hmm. here. Because the final question is then gonna be, does a knowledge of maths require you a deep knowledge of maths require you to like perceive maths as an artistic form?
1: Oh that's an interesting way to be it. I expected you to ask me whether does appreciation of art require you to have knowledge mm-hmm. of it? And I think yeah, that's the case. But does uh, having like this surpassing a certain level like certain threshold of knowledge require you to have a appreciative sort of respect for, for, for math or something like this. Um, I would dare say probably yes as well, uh, mostly on the side of um, maths is really about a lot of associations. I right? like a lot of the nice results in maths we get from being able to draw analogies from several different di- seemingly disparate Uh, Fields or you know, uh, happenings, Um, and I think that like human brains are much better at associative um, connections than they are at sort of like just building a vertical connection, you know, through pure logic alone, right? And in that sense, sort of like viewing the beauty of math sort of like probably helps you make. Draw connections to to things that are not di- directly relevant to 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 maths. Um, there's this example of uh, this guy who could, um, after hitting his head, um, sort of completely changed his uh, personality. He developed quite a lot of uh, very unique um, abilities. One of which was that he would perceive a color for each number, each whole number, right? And that color would be actually a combination of the colors of its prime factors, right? So I don't- Sorry, say that again. Uh, let me give you a, an example to sort of uh, make it more concrete. It's like, um, let's say that he perceives uh, 14 as pink because he perceives mm-hmm. two as white and seven as red. right? So mm-hmm. it's this synesthesia thing of like, having a connection between colors and numbers in the prime factors, right? So incredibly, incredibly unusual. Like uh, I don't think I've ever met anybody who has synesthesia with prime numbers and anything else, right? But this was tested and it was found that uh, this was the case for this person, right? Um, I think that's very, very powerful. That probably puts you in a position to do work in mathematics that is, Unmatched in in a particular field, uh, to somebody, other, right? Like it's again leveraging the associative connection, uh, associative, the ability to form associative connections uh, in the human brain.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. So does so like very large numbers are all this brown smear.
1: I think he could factor five-digit numbers if I'm not incorrect. So wow. there was still like okay. Cause you know, even though I don't know the names of the different types of reds, I can probably tell apart uh, Burgundy, which uh, is that red, is that brown? I'm not even sure. Uh, From like Scarlet, right? Uh, I don't know exactly what those look like, but like basically different shades of red, you can sort of tell apart, right? And in that Mm. sense, again, like even if things sort of look brown from the combination of things, he could tell apart like you know, this shade of the brown from this other
0: shade of the brown. It, that's interesting. It's I. It's like examples like these um, that continuously point out to me the kind of fundamental limits of our setup as humans. Mm-hmm. Like we sort of kind of got to a minimum a minimum energy mm-hmm. where we could perform various tasks and do stuff enough to kind of start growing exponentially Mm -hmm. but like you're like oh if only evolution had done this part and not segregated all my senses in my head so allow me to just have like a you know Mm -hmm. like uh, synesthesia all the time for everything you know there's so many things that you start realize well if i could biologically hack myself or build a new intelligence what would you actually be able to do with it given the ability you can actually tweak Mm -hmm. how it will perceive um and it's kind of frustrating because you realize that there are way better, there are much better ways in which you could be intelligent. Yeah.
1: No, uh, you said it very, very nicely. I actually really like this um, way of putting it, so I'm gonna repeat it, it's like, we are not the best uh, version of a, you know, truly conscious in the sense that we uh, put uh, in those words, being, we're literally the scrappiest version of it, right? Like if anything scrappier could have been made, it was more likely to actually survive, right? Like uh, I'm not saying that uh, mm. we are, we are, you know, there, there's nothing scrappier than us that could have survived, but things scrappier than us probably had a lower ch- chance of surviving, right?
0: Right. So the human race is scrappy. I out would scrappy I would words. say that yeah, very very much so. Definitely. Yeah. Homo
1: scrappius. So Homo scrappius. Yeah, I like that
0: there we go Uh, that's the yeah no no it's definitely like it it it, 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 as you said like it has to be has to be the case based on like give or take a margin it kind of has to be the case that once something what what is the minimum requirements for you to start Mm -hmm. um doing what we're doing Mm -hmm. now as a human race and that's being us Mm -hmm. although Um, um
1: statistic has pretty weird implications. Um, I really like uh, problems like this where uh, I'm just going to put you on the spot and ask you, like, if I have a bag of, uh, um, like, tiles and there are numbers, different numbers written on these tiles, from one to however many tiles there are in the bag. I draw a tile and it says a hundred and thirty-seven on the tile. What is my maximum likelihood estimate of how many tiles that are in the bag.
0: And it, you said they're like numbered from one to yeah, whatever? Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, wow, what's my maximum estimate? And I get one draw.
1: You get just the one draw, yeah. Intuitively, what would you answer?
0: Like, uh, I would just guess the number that I draw.
1: Yeah, right, so that's actually the maximum likelihood estimate, right? It's uh, sort of, you know, anything with a lower number um, has a zero, uh, like you can't have fewer tiles because the the way we set up the problem Uh, and anything with a higher number has like proportionally less and less uh, likelihood, right? Like the likelihood Mm -hmm. of there being a million tiles is much less than there being a thousand tiles, right? Mm -hmm. But this is a very intuitive result because my probability of drawing the highest tile out of all of them is very low, right? If I had drawn the tile 1 million, my maximum likelihood estimate will still been that there's exactly a million tiles there. But if anything, like I would personally guess that there's 2 million tiles instead, right? It's like, right. I would expect to get something in the middle there, right? So I- in the same way, um, here we could have like this statistical fallacy. I'm not sure if fallacy is the, is the right word, where, you know, like just because we're the f- first, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are actually the scrappiest, but I think it really increases the likelihood that we are um, along the scrappier end of things.
0: Uh, oh, I see. I see how. Okay, so to jump this back uh-huh. to what we were talking about with being scrappy, um, I see what you're saying because we're the kind of the first draw in the bag. Yeah. We consider ourselves as the the kind of threshold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sort of thing. Uh,
0: hmm. What
1: it's Probably That's more likely for us yeah. to be in, in the middle of the threshold. Um, this, I think, has connotations for the Fermi paradox as well. Uh, like, or sorry, no. The, not the Fermi paradox, but the great filter, filter theory.
0: Um, oh, uh, the one's
1: about, like, um, should we be worried about the fact that we seem to be uh, the only intelligent life in the universe? Because right, like uh, we're definitely mm. not likely to be the first ones. Right? Like uh, our the life on our planet only developed three point eight billion years ago. So, no, sorry, Earth was formed 3. 8 billion years ago, yeah. and then
0: like no, Earth's four and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think
0: three. Yeah. I think three point eight is about a good one. Yeah, but, the, but, just, but um, yeah, basically it was like in of faith in us. in the
1: last third of the uh, of the Let's life. Of the universe right so it seems yeah. unlikely that we're the first where um like it seems unlikely that we're the first planet where life formed right um so that would be one filter there's there's several filters of going from single celler to multi and so on and so forth right um and then yeah there's a question like is there one great filter, and which ones are like the greater filters, and, uh, and yeah, um, so hmm. on. Uh, so I feel like there's some connotation there of like just because we're the first doesn't necessarily mean that um, things are st- statistically as unlikely as they seem to be. Um, but I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm too vague here. Like. Uh, I can't really formalize my, my thoughts Better mm.
0: Yeah I uh, I remember us dabbling a little bit I think it was like episode 3 or something mm. We dabbled a little bit in, in some Where if we are alone um, And I My my kind of Latest thought on it just to Put an answer yep. to at least For this is, is sort of That Like the amount of in information we keep rediscovering and and correcting Mm -hmm. our our, our, um, assumptions is drastic like 20 years ago or like 30 years ago we thought there were no exoplanets Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like these kind of leaps where we now realize that every star has an exoplanet and it's an anomaly to not have Mm -hmm. one like i imagine like 10 more of these leaps to happen in the next century and then you know at that point we're like okay maybe maybe there's some information we missed out on Mm -hmm. um it's fun it's fun though to think about whether life exists but I think there's going to be some interesting uh, um, uh, uh, leaps about you know our assumptions that we're making so
1: uh, you Uh, you're saying that we're probably missing some key um, piece of information that really sort of changes the odds that Fermi puts forward for for these things like for example we find that uh, you know it's only the sector of the galaxy of the universe that has like a particular
0: uh ad width yeah like something like yeah yeah exactly like i remember there's a verner vinge book where um the speed of light is relative to uh your distance to the center of the galaxy mm. um and you can't know this unless you've moved out from the galaxy because of that certain life forms can't Form within the center of the Mm. galaxy, or like Mm. close to the galaxy, and only on the edge do you have like really the universe evolves much faster, and so you're able to have uh, more life forms. It kind of like these kind of, and so no one ever ventures into the near the center of the galaxy because of the fact that once you move that far, you'll kind of you'll not be able to function Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cognitively. You kind of start decaying, and the Earth happens to sit right on the kind of the cusp of where. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm decay that's it's fun. not possible to lines. yeah that's that, that, you know that's like a these fun. kind of weird these weird things right like who I, I mean that 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 one maybe is hard to figure out but you know who knows what the leaps yeah, could be yeah yeah right? it, it
1: could be as wild well as that right? like uh, it could be something that seems completely arbitrary and magical to us right now but with um, more advanced science makes perfect sense just like quantum physics right? it's complete magic but it's what science is um so I want to talk to you about uh, the idea of having perfect uh, recollection, like just having perfect memory. Does this uh, seem appealing to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so very quickly to sort of give the context here, it's like I'm const- constantly conscious about the fact that uh, I may be repeating something from a previous episode and feeling okay. sort of like guilty for that, right? So if we had perfect the ability to perfectly recollect everything, we would run into this yeah. mistake much less often.
0: Right. So, what's your take on that? Oh, on on if we should have perfect. Oh, if you if you
1: yeah if you if you would like to, um, if you think it would be more beneficial than detrimental.
0: Wow, well, um, I guess it, yeah, the the first thing that jumps to my head. Is an example that I don't remember the example so well So I don't want to say it really resonated with me, but it of this book. I read this example seemed to hold um, Like the image of it held enough that I've always remembered it whenever this kind of question comes up about I wish I could memorize everything Mm -hmm. instantaneously and perfectly and it was the example of a guy that had a um, Disorder where he could not forget things Mm -hmm. so everything he saw get perfect recollection mm-hmm. of. and in the the long story short this is in a book called learning uh it's called learning how to learn by barbara oakley but long story short is that this actually made it so he couldn't function okay in society he couldn't do anything because he had to he constantly was remembering everything and not able to kind of back away from the high level picture of what's happening mm-hmm. to him so he would sort of be overloaded by information and um, not be able to sort of parse it. So, Like he, he would like parse it in a way that kind of lets him see away from the details and kind of reflect what the whole mm-hmm. image means in general. Mm-hmm. Um, saying that though, maybe that is just a flaw with how you deal with having perfect recollection. Like maybe there's a way to have perfect, say you've got like a different intelligence where you can have perfect recollection of everything mm-hmm. and you can also somehow deal with this. So um, Is that is that...
1: Yeah, like uh, uh, this person sounds like they couldn't control when they initiated a recall, like a memory recall, like uh, they had yeah. just intrusive sort of memories uh, where, you know, uh, you're going about your day and you suddenly remember that time when you were 12 and, uh, you know, you... Throw a brick at the wall and bounce back and hit you on the head or something, uh, but just having yeah. that all the time, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think
1: I think those are probably two disparate things. Maybe they're correlated in some way, but like it seems to me like you can probably have perfect retrieval without having necessarily um, the lack of control of the memory
0: initiation, sort of like retrieval initiation mechanism. Mm all right so well okay so just to clarify are you talking about the fact that when i recall something it gets slightly blurred and i'm slowly losing the information of what i'm recalling are you talking about recalling everything i see like recalling the fact that i had a cup of tea uh, like an hour ago today and being able to recall that 10 years from now
1: um i think uh, those two are related right so firstly you're very right that if i recall something i am changing the memory, right? The more often I, like your most cherished memories are actually the ones that are least trustworthy, right? Because every time you recall a memory, it actually gets tinged by the state of mind you are in currently, right? So, you know, that time you remember when you were two and like you played with your favorite uh, toy, that probably has nothing to do with how things actually happened, right? Because you've uh, recalled that so often you know it's it's gotten these layers of like different experiences on top of it and and it's completely different right so that will have to basically be removed for you to be able to get a perfect reflection in the objective sense right but i'm also talking about the fact that you just throw away and don't commit to memory uh, a lot of the information right you don't remember the um, I don't know, the color of The cup. cup you drank water from two weeks ago, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, like a situation in which you just have a memory bank and you have perfect control over access, right? You can you can remember, um, I don't know, like you could sit down and count the number of hairs on you know your dog's ear from like five mm-hmm. years ago when you played with it, right? You just require conscious effort to do that as if you were doing it on
0: the spot yeah i see what you're saying um i'm trying to think about what i do day to day that having such perfect recall would be i'm trying to think of the perspective why i would not want Mm -hmm. this like other say there's no capacity and i can just recall everything i do how would this hinder me um, and what do I use memories for like I use them for um, I use them for I I mean, what do I use memories for okay, so I use them for Solving problems. Mm-hmm. I use them for telling stories which is kind of transmitting mm-hmm. information I use it for also my sense of self mm-hmm. Like by having memories. I feel like I am who I yeah. am because of my memories mm-hmm. Um and well, that's an interesting one. Like if I remember everything, is the selectivity of my memory, like f- help define who I am. So that's, um, that's a really
1: interesting one. Yeah, because um, based on this last one of like your self sense of identity, you could argue that if you have perfect memory, your ability to change would get reduced um, because you can sort of like the narrative that you're building for yourself Right now is inherently faulty, right? You're building it off of faulty memories, and therefore, you know, you have this leeway to sort of change your personality.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the older I get, the less effect a single memory has. Yeah. Because I've just got this huge database that I'm plugging one memory Mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of reduces my ability to be plastic Mm -hmm. if I'm the sum of those memories. But maybe you have some, le- I mean, you could though imagine, I have all these memories stored, but then I have a subset that I use to like identify myself and the others are just considered like mm-hmm. non-identifying memories, wherever that feels like. Mm-hmm. I do feel um, like it's a
1: very fundamental thing to do memory replay though. Like you just uh, occasionally, you know, select a memory and just look at it and sort of reflect back on what you've done. Um, you know what that means for yourself what it means for the other people involved in the memory etc etc
0: right So even if are, you, are you talking about sorry are you talking about consciously or subconsciously here um i would say, say consciously it's it's quite difficult so for me
1: to mm-hmm. you know um be able to speak about like dreams and stuff like that because i genuinely don't understand how the subconscious sort of, like has an effect on the conscious just that the connection between the two is completely unclear to me. But I'm talking about like, uh, you know, maybe throughout the day you're riding on the bus and you just happen to call like a, a, a particular memory, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like uh, th- this idea of having this sub- subset of memories and stuff like that, um, it still feels like you'd probably be probing, you know, these different memories. And if you can remember them with perfect clarity, if you don't have this forget, uh, like uh, this mechanism to forget things, it is like you would constantly find uh, flaws in your character, uh, in, in, in the persona that you build up for yourself. <coughs> right, so like, let's say that I imagine myself to be very generous, right? And then I recall all the different times in which uh, I've done something that is not considered generous. I've not given money to the street musician. I've not... Uh, uh, given a tip at the checkout counter or something like that, right? that's just completely inconsistent, right? Uh, mm-hmm. With our current memory, you probably block out most of these things so that you can maintain the narrative about yourself that you have a particular quality.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, again, if this... So that makes sense, That's a, and that's a good point. I, I'm just wondering if, like, again, Related to the previous example as well, if this is an issue on how we use our memories, like can you have memories such that these don't? Like, could you have a feeling of recalling a memory such that you're not associ you disassociate with it? So, like, I can have the memory of money being not giving a tip at the checkout counter, Mm -hmm. but it's disassociated from my. Feeling of the the emotion that memory like brings up, or the underlying um, like the the fact that I identify with that memory. Like, can I just have a raw memory bank that I just parse through, mm-hmm. and then a set of memories that I also identify with to build my personality? Like, I'm I'm talking about like away from almost the way that we we use memories. Mm-hmm. Like, is yeah.
1: So I I, I, I I can see what you mean. It almost feels like you would require a assistant that is outside of it, right? Like if we're talking about like a brain computer interface sort of setup, right? Uh, you may have a search algorithm that uh, is completely impartial to the content of the memory, right? But sort of uh, restricts your access to particular memories uh, to some parameters, uh, parameters that have been defined for it, right? So in that setting, I, I can sort of understand what you're saying and I can see it. If we're talking about like, you know, you having a complete access and control over the system, it's a bit harder for me to um, understand how you can recode the memory it's associated with. mm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because memories are intrinsically tied with, like, the, the frame of reference. I think so, yeah. And the frame of reference is I, in that yeah. case. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just wondering like why would like why would that be relevant though to the memory? So let's take your example where we memorize everything, but now I notice bad and good mm-hmm. things. And I, I hate the bad things I've done, but I, I keep I can perfectly memorize those mm-hmm. and so I can see all the mistakes I've made. Uh, and also the the mistakes I haven't made, but it kinda gives me a kind of character conflict. But why would that be a bad thing? Um, because- I think it would if really
1: restrict you from making decisions. I think you would become overly um, worried about your behavior because if you make a mistake, it will stick with you for the rest of your life, right? If you have perfect recollection of that time, you asked the uh, girl out to the dance and she rejected you in front of your class, then you would never mm. ever again like, Approach potential partners, right? Like, just that sort of experience would probably haunt right. you forever. I, I think the, the the ability to forget bad experiences, sort of like, allows you to be more foolish and like more sort of um, bold in 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 the way you you conduct yourself. That's just a conjecture, yeah. though. Like.
0: Yeah, that's, it it just, it keeps, I guess it keeps, it's hard not to, um, to delineate these, but it keeps, seem to come back to sense of, like the sense of self that memories bring Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm trying to, I keep trying to pull that away, but it doesn't seem to be possible. Like, and I think because those two are tied together quite tightly. I agree. Yeah. Because I'm wondering, can you have a decision-making system where you say, I'm going to look at only memories that are relevant, right? Like, I'm just restating what I said before, Mm -hmm. but I think that has to be done subconsciously before those memories are then delivered to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, yeah, again, talking about like a subsystem
1: that is uh, removed from the main system. No, actually, I, sorry, uh, I retract my statement in that um, we know for a fact that the brain is not made up of a single agent, but like rather several agents. Uh, some um, of which are subservient to to others, right? So, uh, yeah, maybe you are correct that you can have such a system.
0: Um, I, I think the system does actually... Okay, I don't know about the neuroscience literature, um, but I think such a system might actually exist. I remember reading in Oliver Sacks' book about um, some of his psychology experiments, and one of them talked about experiment where they kind of can directly trigger the, uh, elect- directly triggered neurons in patients' brains mm-hmm. during open brain surgery. And those patients were having memories recalled that they never knew existed. Ah, that's um, interesting. Mm-hmm. And also we look at trauma, people that have experienced trauma and have memories locked away that can be recovered. Mm-hmm. So I think there are memories that are filtered or hidden that we don't have mm-hmm. access to whatever reason whether it's like just a flaw or whether there's some uh you know agent that's mm-hmm. filtering our mm-hmm. memories it, it does beg the question why are we even memorizing these things but maybe it's like intrinsic hardware where we just memorize mm-hmm. stuff and there's nothing we can do about it um but then there's a system that says okay we don't need to look at all this mm-hmm. uh useless data that we've just been storing um uh, it's, but it's, i think it's more model- than that though because
1: with the trauma i think we probably memorize things that are impactful to us, right? Um, we don't memorize everything likely, like maybe maybe we do, but it seems less likely to me. Um, but we probably memorize things that are impo- impactful to us. Um, you know, there's this um, theory that memory is there for us to be able to learn from our experience. Right, like you mentioned, this is one of these points. It's like, why would a, conscious being sort of evolved to be better than an unconscious being is that it can learn from its mistakes, right? It can can sort of uh, survive for longer because if it makes a mistake and somehow manages to survive, it's not going to make the same mistake again, right? So it seems like we probably are committing to memory events that seem important, impactful, right? And then I think there's probably a deliberate subsystem that sort of stores away uh, memories on purpose to protect, you know, the, the, the entire uh, system. Well, that's really interesting, actually. I don't consider that. That's an incredibly good point.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I think you framed it well, and I, it makes me wonder, though, and it does make me wonder um, how many memories are impactful and mm-hmm. effective that we don't realize mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, and I do agree, it's probably the case we have got some kind of active learning process where we are being selective because there's an on slot of information. It's just interesting to see, you know, is it as, you know, specialized as we, sorry, as um, attentive as we think, or if it's a bit more broader Mm -hmm. and there's actually kind of a larger scope of what we're memorizing. yeah. And then, and then, I mean, on top, and then I guess like to close up this, because mm-hmm. we're thinking in a very human way mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering, is it ideal? So, so I gonna throw the question back at you then. What do you think about having the ability to memorize everything? Say we invent an intelligence that can store and memorize everything mm-hmm. and have like a filter. And even if this is some process where like you have an agent that's, stored everything, then there's some subconscious filter that only makes you ac- have access to certain memories, mm-hmm. but there's some kind of backup that you could default to in some scenario, I don't know what. Is such an agent useful, like, or or is that is that a useful property given? give intelligence? Yeah,
1: if I had perfect trust in this subsystem, um, I would probably opt for it. I like uh, being able to recall particular things can be quite useful, especially uh, in the line of work of like uh, research, just being able to remember your fundamentals, like the theorems, you wanna use, uh, you know, like uh, particular lines of thought like that lead to proofs and stuff like that. Just having this memory bank, being able to like uh, recall these particular things seems to be very, very useful, but it's sort of like having a wider library of tools you can have immediate access to, right? Uh, but on the other hand, um, I really value my ability to forget. I really value the fact that I can really enjoy a piece of content, whether it be a book or a series, and two, three years down the line, I can enjoy it as much, just rewatching watching it or rereading. it, right? It feels like... Um, it feels like if I was just able to immediately recall everything about something that I've experienced before, um I wouldn't have access to, to this experience which I quite enjoy to be Because like the h- sort of half remembered experience is quite nice to to live through, at least for me as well. Um uh, mm. and then the other thing is like it's it's very, very important again to to have trust in this subsystem because I do not I would not want to have that system if it meant I just get occasionally uh random memories with perfect clarity. Right um just uh, it, as I am right now if I suddenly just remembered when I was 15 years old and this happened I think that would make for quite a um, unpleasant experience like you know uh, first of all you may get detached from reality as this person you mentioned before did but even if it was yeah. like less invasive such that you know you, you, you maintain your presence it don't don't feels like you're living um, sort of uh relieving really you know your favorite uh, your failures and maybe your tra- triumphs but it feels like your failures your failures are more impactful uh, over and over again
0: yeah
1: so yeah uh that, that's that's i guess the long
0: of it yeah yeah it does you did make me think about the fact that because you were talking about one thing about the one that what you're talking about with reading and it does make me feel like the 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 energy, the evolution energy um, uh, reasoning for memory is that if something's worth memorizing, you put in the energy, mm-hmm. if it improves incru- your survival. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing you do see on research though, I do realize that if I had perfect memorization of like everything I researched, I think my ability to make mistakes and explore would be heavily reduced. Mm-hmm. Like there is sort of the benefit of a naivety going into a solution ah, that problem viddy. yeah that's viddy. you know you you the mistakes are sort of getting jumping out of kind of local maxima and landscapes and kind of ending up in different locations where someone else if I had perfect information of this is why I think mm-hmm. this problem is trivial, we don't need to tackle mm-hmm. it or it's unsolvable. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there's something something there yeah
1: we'll let our
0: listeners ponder that um, as we wrap up the episode cool that sounds good Uh,
1: we'll catch you after Christmas
0: yeah yeah see ya merry uh, what what do we we say merry merry holidays because I feel like it's the merry holidays the most awkward I was thinking of like snailmas or something oh wow okay that's that's interesting (laughs)
1: Yeah. Okay, maybe it's Med- 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 Snail was.